0: Love, Hope, Radio.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you're listening, around the world, this is Sedona Talk Radio.
0: And hello, hello everyone out there in the big, wide world. Here is Helena Steiner-Hornstein with Our Wondrous World, yet again, it's Tuesday, and we are switching the program from Tuesdays, and the past program goes back into the archives. And this week, I have a guest, and I just spoke to her, so I know she is with us. And her name is Karen Tate, and Karen Tate is, um, she's an author, and she is also specializing in sacred places. Are you there, Karen
1: I sure am, Helena.
0: So, Karen Tate, you live in Los Angeles and you are in Venice Beach. And uh, we have today a beautiful day outside. And we're going to talk about sacred places. And what is a sacred place?
1: Well, you know, there's all sorts of uh, different types of sacred places. Uh, I think a, a good way to describe sacred places in a general sense it's where uh, humans and the divine meet. Uh, it's sort of like a, uh, a common ground, I think you could call it. Uh, some say an axis mundi, um, but uh, it's places that uh, can be contemporary sacred places or ancient sacred places, but I think they're repositories of sacred energy and, um, you know, that they're found in all different types all around the world. Yeah, You know,
0: it was so interesting when you were gone uh, for, for, for those couple of minutes, I was talking about uh, a particular sacred place that we have had in our family. And uh, that um, I can just repeat again for you how we have a place in the forest uh, that when we are not feeling up to par or we have been feeling low, Each one of us kind of disappeared to that particular place. We never told anyone that this was the particular place we would go to. But afterwards, we found out that we had been drawn to this particular place to sit under that particular tree on that particular piece of ground. And we always felt so much better after we had been there. So to us, that was a sacred place. And is this the kind of a sacred uh, place that you are talking about?
1: Well, it can be. I mean, it would really be interesting to know uh, if, you, if you did some research and, and went back a few hundred years or a thousand years. It might really be interested interesting to know uh, how that land was used, quite frankly. Um, but certainly, you know, you were trusting your intuitive sense uh, that this natural landscape, um, you know, had uh, soothing or healing qualities. Uh, you know, you were fortunate that you were able to tap into those, um, whether you want to call it sacred energies or healing energies. Uh, you know, I don't think we should question things like that so much. You know, we can't always prove things. But, you know, the proof is, I think, in um, how we feel about a place, you know, how we react to it. And obviously, um, you know, your family, uh, you know, really responded well. It was a great place to have available.
0: Yes, and, uh, of course, we are quite um, intuitive in my family. This is on my mother's side. So we are listening to those, um, uh, how shall I say, uh, messages that we get from somewhere. And when we don't feel good in the particular place where we are, we are just pulled out of there somehow, and we are guided to go somewhere else. And I think in, in town... When we live in town, we live in the big cities or wherever we live. We sometimes have that feeling we have to get out of here. And I think then also something in us is telling us we have to go to a sacred place and... uh, well, often those is, sacred
1: often those sacred places are places in nature. I mean, you'll find that quite often. Um, and you know, when I think we were in the big cities, we're surrounded by you know so much technology, so much electricity. You know, it's sort of the concrete jungle. You know, we're disconnected from uh, our natural lifeline, so to speak. And I think that's why we're drawn to, you know, get away, go to the countryside or, uh, you know, go yeah. to the beach for a day or something like that and just feel the natural rhythms of the universe.
0: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I looked at Miami Herald here on the, in the travel section, and I have that page in front of me, and it says here about 25% of American travelers are interested in taking spiritually oriented vacation. Hey, isn't that something remarkable? We we want to take a spiritually oriented vacation?
1: Well, you know, that has become a very common trend uh probably in the last decade, maybe a little bit more, we actually call it purposeful travel. Uh, it used to be called pilgrimage. Uh some people still call it pilgrimage. But you know, people aren't don't seem to be content uh, to just sit by a pool, you know, sip in a pina colada or a margarita. Uh, you know, they want to do something that nourishes their soul, that sort of uplifts their spirit. Uh you know, they want to do something of Substance that um, that you know makes makes them feel like uh, their precious time away, away from work is being spent in a, a very worthwhile way. Uh, and people do you know uh, do all sorts of things. They go on sacred journeys to sacred places. You know some people will go do these uh, uh, you know ecology tours. Uh, people will even volunteer and work with uh, organizations like Doctors Without Borders. Uh, you know, and go help their fellow human being, you know. So um, I, I think this is part of what's happening in society where we're starting to think more uh, with our right brain. Uh, you know, we're thinking about uh, the intuitive. We're thinking about the creative. Uh, you know, we're not thinking on such a linear way anymore. You know, I think we want to get more in touch with, um, you know, the the energies out there, we're becoming more enlightened, I think.
0: Yeah, and it's funny you're saying this today, because just today I've been sitting redoing my website, speakingtoyourheart.com, and I'm mentioning this, you know, that we now are living under some kind of spiritual Inferences that we haven't lived under before, or at least we were not aware of it before, or we were not allowed to be aware of it in the same way before. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, um, this might sound cliche and, you know, some of your listeners might shake their head yes or some of your listeners might roll their eyes. I'm not sure. But, you know, a lot of people sort of use the metaphor at least, uh, even though it's a literal, uh, you know, astrological change. You know, we're moving from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. And that, you know, sort of changes the energies of the universe. You know, this was supposed to be a new time for us. And I think, you know, we, we are seeing a new time on the horizon. You know, people are, uh, have different, they're starting to shift into different values. They're starting to shift into wanting different things. And, you know, they're things of the heart. Um, you know, they're, uh, I mean, just uh, one example, I think, is, you know, the way people are so conscious right now about greed you know, uh, greed is like is becoming taboo. I think. You know, uh, where in the 90s it was all about, well, you know, the winner was the person who could accumulate the most money and the biggest toys. Well, I don't think people are thinking like that anymore.
0: They are now uh, pointing finger at the ones who are trying to get money out of things uh, in a way they didn't do before. Look at what happened in Chicago with the governor. Maybe a few years ago it would have been hushed down i don 't know, but it, it seems that more things are coming up into the open than it did before of of that kind of thing, whereas the the positive the spiritual is more uh, awakened uh, well, I you know. think so.
1: and, and you know and part of the spiritual awakening is uh, this idea of right brain thinking of the feminine consciousness you know it 's more about the needs of the many rather than the needs of the few. Um, you know, it, we, we want to shed this uh, warrior, dominator, uh, you know, survival of the fittest mentality. And, you know, we want a better quality of life, I think. Um, I, I think we're tired of, of war and, you know, we're tired of government corruption and leaders that fail us. And, you know, we're tired of the bullshit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's well put. That's exactly what it has Yeah. <laughs> but you know before we couldn't do too much about it now we we can have you know like now we have a program like this for instance and you have no idea the attendance of the pro- this this program for instance we have it all over the world i'm amazed at my mail coming in and i just now got uh, another letter from uh, email from moscow and uh, someone is listening to this show saying, well, can you tell me more about healing because I'm so interested in healing. And next week, ladies and gentlemen, that's what I'm going to speak about. I'm going to speak about healing and my own self and my own work. And I'm going to answer questions that you have sent me. But now we have Karen Tate here, and she is talking about sacred people sites in the world. Could you mention some of those sites? I'm curious to know.
1: Well, I'll tell you. There are so many. Um, My book, uh, Sacred Places of Goddess, 108 Destinations, uh, my publisher required that I I, uh, write about sacred places on uh, just about every continent. And I had traveled myself to about five different continents because when I started getting interested in goddess spirituality, I wanted to go to these ancient sites and actually see, you know, these temples or these sacred places. And, you know, sometimes they're, you know, they're temples built by human beings Sometimes they're sacred wells. Uh, You know, sometimes it it might be a body of water or a mountain. I mean, it varies so much from culture to culture and continent to continent. Um, I I mean, for instance, there are, uh, you know, temples in Japan that we went to that – you know, or, or sacred to different uh, Shinto or uh, or uh, you know other goddesses. There, um, you know, you can go to uh, Ireland, for instance, and you have these sacred wells of Bridget. Uh, you also have um, you know these these Neolithic um, uh, you know sites. That uh, you know go back to the most ancient times, and uh, you know they're, they're just incredible. Uh, I mean, you have Machu Picchu in South America, you have uh, Egyptian temples in Egypt, uh, you have Stonehenge, you have Avebury. I mean, every country you know just about has their own sacred sites. I mean, uh, in a lot of cathedrals, even. I mean, if if you're a Christian, obviously you know churches may be sacred sites to you. Uh, sometimes like, for instance, Chartres Cathedral, uh, which is a train ride outside Paris, France. Um, Chartres uh, Cathedral is built on uh, sacred ground that used to be holy to the Druids. They still have a well uh, at, at, in the crypt of the church that, um, you know, was sacred to the Druids. They believed it, uh, you know, was had uh, healing waters. Um you know they're just you know the the whole church is replete with imagery uh of the sacred feminine you know of uh you know Mary Magdalene for instance and uh you know it's just uh from country to country uh you know there's just so much to see i mean you could spend your life uh you know g- going from site to site and i mean quite frankly i spent about 15 years traveling to a lot of these different places
0: really how do they Look the same in one way, or how do are they different in other ways, depending well, on the culture?
1: Well, for instance, um, you know in in east uh, in Western Europe, you know you have so many beautiful Gothic or medieval cathedrals, uh, so you have those type of sacred sites, uh, and like I said, oftentimes they're built. On uh, a natural site um, that used to you know belong to the pagans you know before Christianity came along, or uh, in Greece, for instance um, you 'll find uh, like there's an area in Eleusis, which was a temple to the Greek goddess Demeter, and uh, you can still see the the well that they thought uh, was an entrance to the underworld and if you remember your Greek mythology, you know Hades. Uh, kidnapped Demeter's daughter, Persephone, and took her into the underworld, and he spent Uh, You know, she spent half of her life down there with him and half of her life above ground with her mother. Uh, And that's, you know, how we have the seasons. You know, when she's with her mother, it's springtime. When she's with Hades in the underworld, that's winter. And on this sacred site, not only do you see the pagan temple and the well, and this cave, this very natural cave, that they also believed was an entrance to the underworld. And they believe that they used that uh, during part of the um, uh, uh, Mysteries of Eleusis, you know, which were part of the Demeter Mysteries. But on top of the cave, uh, there's actually, uh, a, you know, a, a Christian church. So, you know, a lot of times here, you know, so here you're having a natural cave, you know, from the oldest times. You have the pagan temple, and you also have the somewhat more modern Christian church all right there, you know, on yeah. one site. It's, it's incredible.
0: Of course, that has. Uh, I really believe that when you are creating energy, wherever you do it above ground, ground, everywhere, it it goes into the ground somehow, and it stays in that place. Well, and I I know that in many ways. Uh, well,
1: I think it becomes a repository. You know, because people go to these sacred sites uh, today for very much the same reason. People went in ancient times. They want to go for healing. It can be emotional healing, spiritual healing, physical healing. They might want to go and honor a deity or curry favor with a deity. Um, you know They may want to go and connect with their ancestors. You know? Uh, you know, there's lots of different reasons they go. So they're going to these places, you know, with all of this built-up emotion and all of this built-up energy and intention. And they go to this spot and they expend that energy there, you know. And you yeah, just exactly. imagine, you know, you yeah. imagine over thousands of years that energy builds up.
0: It becomes
1: like a, like a battery, you know. <laughs>
0: yes, uh, and uh, and it's so I believe when I spoke to you earlier, uh, some weeks or months ago, I said this about churches, not particular in Sweden, and I had uh, at times taken local maps and felt, you know, I'm very intuitive about anything. And I had just stretched out my hand, and my finger would, Stop in a place where I felt, oh, this is very sacred. This is a place I would like to visit. And then I would go there, and always there would be a little church or a little chapel in that particular place. And then I discovered that all those places I felt so good about beforehand, or just through looking at the map, these were already, these spots were already taken by a church. <laughs> So and an somebody, old church, not the modern church. I don't know if the modern churches um are on that foundation, but all these old churches were in those places where I really felt here there is a natural energy that is very special.
1: And you were tapping into something that obviously intuitives before you had tapped into. So, um it you know, it was validation of, of your uh, your gift.
0: Yes, of course, and I listened and many people wondered how can they become intuitive and I always said
1: uh, to them, oh, you just follow your (laughs) hunches. Well, and you know, and I think in, in our culture today um we're discouraged from doing that, and it's really sad uh, I think when people um you know have these gifts uh you know a lot of times they have that starts out as as children, and you know if they live in a family that fears that sort of thing or dismisses it as irrelevant or childish then they don't develop that gift. And I think it's really important because I think that's how we tap into uh, nature. That's how we tap into the divine. And too many of us turn off that spigot, you know, and we don't let it flow. And so I think we're missing out on um, an important part of our, our, you know, the universal web that we're all a part of, you know. I think that's why we feel so disconnected. Uh, in this day and age, because you know we don't value that, I think as much as ancient people valued it.
0: That's true. That's true. But I really feel that now uh, in today's world, uh, and I really mean today, not yesterday, but today, we are beginning to accept these feelings and emotions that we are that are a little bit beyond the reasoning, which is wonderful.
1: Well, I agree with you, too, and I think the Internet has really helped because, you know, we're not relying so much anymore on maybe what's just going on in our local community. You know, we're not relying just on what's on the local news. You know, we have so much more information available to us. We can, um, you know, discover so many different types of, uh, of things and people and places that it really broadens our horizon, and it goes back to this, idea of the right brain thinking the feminine consciousness again where uh things are shifting and i think we are starting to value these ideas and these gifts and these connections once again and i think it's only going to help humanity
0: i think so too tell me
1: a little bit more about
0: the sacred places is there one particular place you would like to speak a little bit more about
1: well, you know, I just got back uh, from leading a two-week tour to Turkey uh, at the very end of October. So it, it hasn't been that long ago, and it's fresh in my mind. And uh, one of the my favorite places of all time, it was actually in Turkey, um, and it's called Aphrodisias. And it's in a rem- I, I, I guess you could call it a, a more remote uh, sort of area of uh, modern Turkey. Um, it's it's a site that used to be sacred, uh, or I probably is still sacred to the uh, to the goddess Aphrodite, and uh, it's an incredibly beautiful place, uh, as so many sacred sites are. I think um, you know ancient people uh, chose sacred sites sometimes, uh, you know, for this, not only this energy we're talking about, but the beauty of the landscape, because you find that so many of these temples are built in this, you know, in these valleys, you know, surrounded by beautiful mountains, and there's maybe a stream running nearby, and, um, you know, when we were there, there was just this, this gorgeous um uh, uh Valley of red poppies that were in bloom and and wow. at the same time you know there was snow on the mountains and uh you know it in the energy of the place you know it's sometimes it's yeah. hard to language it, but uh there you know you still had her temple there you know and uh, it, it was just um I, I didn't want to leave you know it it was just uh such a, a wonderful energy and beautiful place. Uh, I could have stayed there all day if I didn't have to get in the tour bus and go to the next place. <laughs>
0: how, how did you get there? Was it hard to? Did people know about it? Oh, uh, just- yeah.
1: Well, no, it's not hard to get to. I mean, Turkey uh, Turkey is really uh, becoming a wonderful tourist destination. First of all, it's not on the euro yet, so it's you know our American dollar doesn't take such a beating as it does in other parts of Europe. Um, so, so the dollar goes far. But you know they have um, some established tour routes. You know like in other countries and Aphrodisius is on i'd say you know uh, not every route but on a lot of the different routes and so it's not hard to get to i mean you know it's, it's always bus trips i mean we we traveled 2400 miles by bus and we started up in istanbul and we went south through central turkey to southern turkey and and then went back up north along the uh, the western coast and uh, you know, we saw a lot of different archaeological sites. Uh, we went to Troy. I mean, uh, there were sites in Istanbul, like the um, the um, Saint Sophia's, which is sacred to holy wisdom. And uh, you know, the site itself, uh, yeah, Saint Sophia's, is built uh, over a pagan temple to um, uh, it was either to the goddess of Aphrodite or Artemis. I think it might have been Artemis. And within the, uh, the the temple there, the uh, St. Sophia's, which is a museum now. At, at one point it was a church, at another point it was a mosque, now it's a museum. Uh, inside uh, are actually these beautiful marble pillars that they pilfered from the Artemis Temple outside Ephesus in Turkey, which was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And so here, you know, it's like this this sort of uh, hodgepodge or melting pot of of pagan and and Muslim and Christian and uh, you know all in this one place. And um, it, it it's just it's a beautiful beautiful sight. Everybody in Istanbul goes to Saint Sophia's, um, but we also went to Ephesus, which is a major uh, sacred site in Turkey. Uh, you can either go there off of a cruise ship. Uh, That's how some people see Ephesus, or you can just um, take a day trip out of Istanbul, or if you're on one of these longer tours like we took, it's always part of the itinerary because it's, it's a huge city, Ephesus, that's been uncovered, and the work still goes on there. Every year they're uncovering something different. And, um, you know, Artem- uh, Artemis was the major goddess of Ephesus, and she was considered one of the most powerful goddesses of the ancient world. Um, you know, when St. Paul went to Ephesus trying to convert uh, the pagans to Christianity, he almost lost his life. They ran him out of town on a rail. They said, we're not giving up our Artemis. <laughs> oh. And uh, and then what was funny is when, uh, you know, Constantine – uh, decided that he was going to switch over to Christianity as sort of the political glue, uh, you know, to keep his empire together. Well, he outlawed paganism for Christianity. So what did the people do? They said, you know what? We're not giving up our feminine face of God. If they want us to switch to Christianity, well, we're just going to call our goddess Mary now, and that's what actually happened. Um, the attributes. That were that belonged to Artemis and also the Egyptian goddess Isis. They just got switched over to Mary. Uh, it's a lot like the, uh, you know, the Africans who the slaves that uh, got uh, shipped over to the New World. Uh, they used to practice, uh, you know, and you know they had their own um, uh, Yoruban deities. And so when when they had Christianity forced on them, all they did was to take their Yeruban deities, and they, they gave them new names. They gave them the names of saints so that their masters wouldn't kill them, you know, for uh, still practicing the Yoruban faith and not the Christianity, which was the faith of their masters. So it's really mm-hmm. interesting. You
0: know? yeah. So it, It's absolutely fascinating. So what you're saying in the old days, and uh, how long, how far do we go back now? Uh
1: uh, I think that we're probably talking about 400, uh, you know, 400, um, A.D., you know, 400, uh, uh, and, you know, that, I think that was about the time, uh, you know, that, uh, of Constantine and that, that shift over, uh, if memory serves me right. I'm not the best with dates, but, uh. uh that's, that's
0: okay, nor am I, you know, if that's numbers. <laughs>
1: yeah. But at
0: that time we had, what I would call worshipping of a feminine energy.
1: Yes. Yes, very much. All around the world we did. Um, you, you see, that's what people don't, uh, you know, a lot of people don't really understand. Um, the worship of a, of a goddess went back 30,000 years ago. 30,000 years ago, at least. Some scholars point to other artifacts in other museums that say even longer ago than that. Um, what happened? Well, you know, things shifted. Um, to begin with, uh, you know, just to give a little bit more information, um, I, I think one of the reasons that uh, we honored a goddess uh, or, the, or the, a feminine face of God long before we ever honored a male god was because um, females were associated with giving life. They could bleed without dying. That was looked upon as very powerful and very magical. And the earth itself was looked upon as female because it produced everything we needed to sustain ourselves. So that went on for a very long time. And women, we believe, were actually uh, elevated uh, during these times and, and had a higher status and class because because they were life givers they by you know they were by association with goddess also life givers you know they they weren't second-class citizens like women are in so many cultures today but you know it all it all you know it turned you know on power and politics just like it does today i mean things uh you know are not that different uh we if you read a lot of the works of uh, scholar maria Gimbutas, we think that some of these cultures uh, that were, were more warrior-like, that had these sky gods. They came in and they obliterated these egalitarian cultures, like there was, there was a sacred site in Turkey called Chateau Hayuk that, uh, you know, we believe, uh, was a, was a peaceful society, an enlightened society, because they had no weapons. They didn't have any fortifications. But then they get overrun by these marauding tribes. Uh, I believe it was these Indo-Europeans that came into, you know these, um, you know these these peaceful cultures, and you know, and it didn't happen overnight. It happened over thousands of years. Sometimes it was, um, you know, it was it happened by force. Sometimes it just happened because you know people would marry into different cultures, and sometimes the wife would take over, you know, take the religion of the husband. So um but but what ended up happening was it really became a battle between what we call the matriarchy and the patriarchy. And um it, and it turned out that uh you know things sort of got you know turned on its head and all of a sudden we see the you know the feminine aspect of things the feminine god the powerful you know women queens and and uh you know become uh secondary and they're being replaced by these monotheistic male religions uh I mean with male gods that say you should have no other god before me and what's really interesting is um you know archaeologists now in places like Israel are uh, are uncovering artifacts that show that the uh, early Jews were actually worshiping Asherah, which was God's wife. So, you know, for a while, you know, they were polytheistic. They did, uh, you know, they did worship, um, you know, more than one God. You know, there was more than Yahweh there. There was Yahweh and Asherah. So, you know, like I said, in different places uh, over, over different times and under different circumstances, you know, things started to shift. And we got away from uh, the feminine and started leaning more toward the masculine. But, you know, it, it was, uh, it, I, again, you know, I hate to, uh, you know, I don't mean to repeat myself, but it, it, it bears repeating. It's about power. It's about control. It's about po- politics. And, uh, you know, I, I, I believe it, 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 just like with the Christian church, uh, you know, Paul comes along and he tends to be misogynist. And, you know, uh, the role of Mary Magdalene was diminished. The role of Mary is diminished. Uh, okay. You know, and, and so what's the result today? You know, women are, uh, aren't considered equal to men. Women can't be ordained. Uh, women wear burqas. You know, we, you have bride burnings, you have forced marriages, you have children, uh, female children that are born and aren't wanted by their families because they aren't considered as important as male children. You have female genital mutilation. So all of these things happened because we got away from the idea of the feminine also being divine. It's, yes. It's, a, it's It's complex. And the, it,
0: it still goes on in many ways that the divine is suppressed and uh, i know myself when i'm uh, speaking and i'm very very spiritual in my speeches and then uh, there is someone "Oh, so that's too spiritual it's too divine you know? <laughs> and i'm in no way religious but i'm trying to awaken within each one the spiritual the power of the light but it. Then it, it's not you know not everyone wants to hear that.
1: It well, takes away it,
0: their control.
1: Yes, thank you. That's a very good point. It takes away their control, and I think it also makes them very fearful. I know some people who will hear me talk about this; they feel very threatened by it, and yeah. um, it and it's and it's really a shame because if they really understood it, I think they would realize that the values and ideals that come along with the sacred feminine would be so much better for humanity, you know. Um, it, it wouldn't be this dominator power over uh, survival of the fittest kind of mentality. It would be more service-oriented. Uh, we would care about one another. It would be about the needs of the many. And... Um, you know, it, I, I think, uh, you know, that would help us have some harmony and some balance and some peace, some equality, oh, some tolerance. I yes.
0: on <laughs> having that thought at the back of my mind that there are influences cosmically that have now uh, changed, you know, for the world, that we are now influenced more by so-called feminine energy. Is this something
1: you know anything about? Well, you know, I'm not an astrologer, so, you know, I can't point to specifics beyond, um, you know, this idea that, you know, we're entering this age of Aquarius, which is, uh, you know, cosmic and universal energies are shifting. You know, I mean, we are affected by the alignment of the planets. I mean, look at, uh, you know, people's behaviors are different on a full moon. It's just a, a very simple uh, example. We all know how things, you know, life can go crazy during a mercury retrograde, you know. So,
0: yes. um, yeah. I thought we were under that influence right now because I seem to have problems with mercury retrograde. The technical uh, instruments around me seem not to be connecting when I'm around yeah. <laughs> to a mercury and retrograde.
1: So and yes, we had I, a
0: little... I, yeah, we had a little technical problem here, you and I today with the uh, radio connection. And I was, my first thought was, is it Mercury retrograde? Said, no, not, <laughs> not not yet. We have another month to go.
1: <laughs> this was just technology. It wasn't the yes. the, the energies of the universe.
0: <laughs> uh, I was thinking about feng shui or feng shui, or how you pronounce it. Does that have anything to do with with this philosophy uh, of the sacred feminine or with the sacred places?
1: You know, um, I I really don't know about that, um, uh, Helena. That I I really can't speak to. I I only have a nodding acquaintance with Feng Shui. I mean, it would seem to, but uh, I can't speak with any authority about that. I'm sorry. And that's okay, you know, it's okay because uh, I know many
0: people are into that and I notice it works. And what about the Earth grids? Do you know anything about that?
1: Well, I know a lot of these uh, sacred sites do happen to be along ley lines. Uh, you know, and and uh, places where ley lines converge and intersect and cross. Uh, these are supposed to be power places. But um, you know, I don't think that's necessarily a requirement. Uh, I know when I was writing my book. Um, you know a lot of the sacred places didn't necessarily have to be on ley lines although sometimes they were uh that wasn't really a criteria for me when i uh, was writing the book about all the different sacred places of uh, goddesses and the divine feminine but uh, occasionally you know it did uh, you know it did happen i mean like for instance i believe stonehenge uh and mashu pishu uh those are both uh, places that I believe there's supposed to be a big convergence of, uh, of ley lines. I mean, I mean, they crisscross in grids all around the world.
0: Yeah. And you seem to be drawn to all these, uh, places. Do you know why?
1: Well, you know, for me, I grew up in New Orleans, and uh, it was a Bible Belt, and I grew up a Catholic. But, you know, it never really took with me. It was something I was born into, and I never really felt very passionate about. So, you know, I, I wasn't, I, I guess you'd say, you know, I, I wasn't real religious. I wasn't real spiritual. But then I moved to California, and I stumbled onto a class, a women's studies class, about God of spirituality, and you know it just you know like when you feel something is true uh in 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 your you know in, in using your intuition or just your you know your inner guidance, it just felt like you know what this is what's been missing. And uh and, and it just made sense to me. I mean, this whole idea I grew up with in uh in Catholicism, the Father, Son and Holy Ghost. Well, where was the woman in that equation? Yeah. You know you know, the natural order of things is a man and a woman together create, you know, and they had taken the female out of the equation and that never really resonated with me. Um and then I started both.
0: to I felt that way. All my life, I couldn't even believe in a God because of that, you know everything was he-oriented. he, he oriented.
1: Well, yeah, and that all has to do with the patriarchal fathers who were setting themselves up as the ones to be in power. And, you know, they were the ones that were going to make the rules and, you know, tell us what to do and how to live our life. And in the process, you know, women got, you know, uh, you know diminished and subjugated. Uh, I mean, you know, women became no more than, than chattel or property. I mean, that's what marriage was in the ancient world. It wasn't the concept of marriage. That we know today, and um you know but but again, you know it's all about power and control, and you know I don't believe that's what the sacred feminine is about. the sacred feminine is much more about partnership and collaboration and negotiation. you know it's not about this strong fisted um, you know rule by force, and um you know it, it's just a different outlook it's a, a different way of thinking, of being, of doing. And um, I don't know. I like it a lot better. (laughs) (laughs) Do you? um, Are there
0: sacred places in the United States of America that you know
1: of? Oh, sure, sure, absolutely. There are. um, There are. Just for instance, uh, talking about California, you can actually use my book, Sacred Places of Goddess, and uh, take a California pilgrimage. You can start up in Northern California at uh, Isis Oasis uh... which has a temple to the egyptian goddess isis and you can go to uh... san francisco and in chinatown there's a temple to a taoist goddess Uh, from there you can go to san jose and uh... the rosicrucian museum and there's a wing dedicated to the egyptian goddess uh you keep going further down in Los Angeles there's a there's an area sacred to Guadalupe you go a little further down and you hit a temple of Kali you go a little further down and you get to the goddess temple in Orange County so yeah i mean there are um there are lots of places there's a sekmet temple outside Las Vegas um, and, you know, and there are places that we are redefining as sacred places of goddess as well. And I talk about that, uh, you know, in my book, you know, that we should take these, take places of natural beauty. Like, for instance, there's, and combine it with art, uh, because like in Canyonlands, Utah, for instance, in the very remote section, um, it, 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 they have these, uh, wall drawings of the archaic indians and there's this six foot tall image of this deity which uh we are calling goddess because she is birthing trees and animals from her hands so here you have this place of natural beauty sacred, you know a place of mother earth with this art showing you know uh a deity a goddess you know birthing creatures and nature and you know we look at that and we say, "You know what we are going to call this a sacred site. Why shouldn't this be a sacred site and yeah. there are, you know are a lot of other places like that with, that we look at with uh, and give ourselves permission. To see them in a new light, we don't need some church or some patriarchal father to, you know, say, yes, of course we give you permission, you can call this a sacred site. You know, we can use our divine intention and our intuition and recognize these things for ourselves. Absolutely. You know, it's so fascinating to
0: listen to you so I don't interrupt you. (laughs) I'm full of air here. here. I'm listening to you because I don't know too much about these things. I know about uh, feelings, you know, and there are places uh, when I can... I I love hiking, and I can just suddenly stop and find a place that to me is sacred. And uh, just stay there for a while and tune in. And Mm -hmm. in those places... It's like I get messages and and something or the higher spirit is speaking to me. And Mm -hmm. this is wisdom, wonderful wisdom.
1: Absolutely. um,
0: And one place that I regard as very sacred in this country, in in America, is um, Arizona,
1: that is the Sedona area.
0: Have you been there?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. And you know what? People have asked me, well, why didn't you include that in your book? And you know, the only reason I didn't was because the book was supposed to be about sacred places that I could, without, with certainty, um, say this was a sacred site of goddess. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I didn't feel like I could, even though I, I I know Sedona is a sacred place. I know the Native Americans, you know, uh, recognize it as such. Uh, I know about the vortexes, the natural beauty. Um, you know, if, if if the book wasn't so restricted to you know to me being able to prove a site was a sacred site, uh, or at least that was my personal criteria that I used. I would have included it in the book because I absolutely yes. think Sedona, without a doubt. I mean, the way you feel when you're in Sedona, um, oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: it, it's uh, absol- it, It's just an incredible place, and I, I it wish it everybody. Really is.
0: Yes, and I thought. Are you you're there? Uh-huh, I'm still here. Yes, and okay, now I'm getting suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> that you stopped breathing, but. Um, I have visited Sedona many times and I thought I would make a particular and very special workshop or, or seminars seminar in Sedona next year. Uh but um, I think the last time I was there and I had I was going to stay with friends which I did and I rented a car and I stopped somewhere in town and suddenly it was like someone was sitting next to me and I took off And I was given directions where to go and where to drive. And then I was told to stop. And then it was like someone was telling me. Uh, And I saw intuitively an Indian, you know, Native American sitting next to me. And he told me, listen how they have ruined our land. Look at these developments. Look at this football field. And then I was told to run, to drive on. And this was going on. So it... Those spirits out there, uh, the divine spirits of the Native American culture, is not very pleased
1: about all the population coming to Sedona. Oh, can you blame them? I mean, you you look you look all around our earth, and um, the d- developers are ruining so many precious, precious uh, landscapes. And why? You know, I mean, we have more hotel rooms than we need. We have more houses than we need. Uh, it's just really such a shame. And it goes back to greed, you know, which we, you know, talked about before. You know, it's like, when is enough? Enough and uh i just don't think um well you know we said you know maybe our culture is is, is turning around to that uh that way of thinking but uh yeah it it uh, it hurts my heart you know to see yeah. some of these this places happens
0: all the time. and here in miami it's been going on for years and i don't know how it has ended since i'm not here all the time but there was a sacred indian uh, again native american site just by the ocean, the inlet of the ocean into the inland water. And they were going to build on that one. And the developers said, yes, this is my land. I bought it. I'm going to build on it. And then you had the interests uh, of of the spiritual community. They say, no, 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 stop it, stop it. You cannot do that. And it's been going on for years. I don't know what, what has happened. No one is building right now. But, you know, I think this is part of... What is Mother Earth that, just like a body, you know, we have sacred places on our body that
1: shouldn't be harmed and hurt because it will hurt us. Right.
0: And I think we have the same with the planet or planet Earth.
1: Well, you know, you're absolutely right. And you see, here's the thing, too. I mean, these developers, I mean, what, I mean, maybe I'm making some assumptions here, but th- which is generally the case is these Native American sacred sites, they're always under threat by developers. I, I mean, you see it across the country because, the, you know, um, Europeans, us, Caucasians, Americans, you know, the vast majority, they don't consider Native American spirituality and sacred sites of any value you know it's our arrogance it's our intolerance and yeah, you know, they don't
0: consider spirituality.
1: Period. <laughs> well, yeah, you're probably yeah. right. You know, they maybe go to church on Sunday and they feel like, well, that's all I got to do. I'll show up there for an hour and my soul is saved. You know, <laughs> but uh yeah, but then you know, when they go to work on Monday, you know, they're the ones that are trying to figure out how to build a new hotel on that sacred land because they don't they don't care that that land is sacred to somebody else because. You know, these other people are other. You know, they're not like them. They're, they're of a different nationality or, or culture or they, you know, their religion is not their religion. So it's, it's easy. I mean, look, most people might not even realize that in the 19th century, it was being questioned if women had souls. Yes, okay. I, <laughs>
0: that's
1: that's <shocking. laughs> absolutely
0: amazing how, um, how this and now there's still people wondering if animals have souls.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I
0: know people like that. I know modern people who just all oh, that dogs they have no soul and I cannot believe that they are so restricted in their I don't know
1: emotions or in their minds or in their intelligence. Well, you know, it's uh, I think it's this entitlement. You know, it's this idea that um, they are superior. Their God is superior, and everyone else doesn't matter. You know, I, I really think that's a lot of it. I mean, you think about the genocide that basically happened to the Native American culture as Americans move west. You know, or or you think about what happened to the Hawaiians when the missionaries yeah. came, and you know, uh, so they lost so many of them due to disease. And uh, I mean, it it happens all over the world. You think of it the Crusades. Happened, it, it
0: happens today. Yes. As we know it happens everywhere. Uh, Not everywhere. Look at Africa, what's happened there. Millions of people. Look at the in Turkey, the Turkish and they have their secret sites, but they came and just killed all Armenians because they were different from them.
1: Yeah, I I mean or you have the Shias and you know, y and the Sunnis. I mean, there's always somebody at war with somebody else rather than having this idea of, you know what, let's just all get along. You know, let's yes. just let's just uh you know, all live peacefully on this earth. But um, you know, some people just have a different mentality and uh, you know, they want to dominate but you know, their their neighbor across the lake, you know? <laughs>
0: Yes, this is this is somehow you, the, the the black side or the the dark side of humanity that we have the power game. You know, we have this need for power. But well I it's, think it, it's maybe that we just need to get a grip on our deeper self,
1: and that we are so. looking
0: for that. Yes,
1: I, I think so, and uh, and I, I mean, and I I you know don't want to. You know, diminish anyone's religion, but I really think we have to start thinking in terms of of not um, feeling we are entitled to convert other people. That other people have to believe the way we believe. I think, you know, I think we really just need to have some tolerance, um, you know, and uh, and and accept diversity in the world because you know, diversity gives us our richness. You know, gives yes. us It's, a, it's
0: d- a matter of understanding. You know, I used to travel into Russia before and meet with youth, uh, with with the youth in schools and universities, and give them scholarships so they could go to America and mingle with American youth. And what these people didn't know about each other was incredible. In Russia, they believed that everyone was walking around shooting everyone in the street. And uh, in, uh, in in America, they believed in Russia. No one can, no one has fun. No one sings. No one plays music. Everyone is poor. There is no food. And I mean, totally misunderstood. You know, everywhere. What
1: yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I I feel. I mean, you know, I, I'm a, a strong believer. That uh, I I wish it were possible for more people to travel because I think we really broaden our horizons and we see people in other cultures as human beings and and I really wish uh, we could we could really focus on education you know uh, across the globe I yes. mean there's so understanding many... each other. Yes, yes. And, I mean, and there's so many young women that don't even have the advantage of going to school and, or so many young men that don't get taught anything but the Bible or the Koran or the Torah, you know, yeah. and, and that's the only education they ever get. So how can you expect them to grow up with a tolerant attitude if, you know, they're being taught that, you know, there's only one way and everybody else doesn't deserve to live. It's, uh, we, we have a lot of work to do. We <laughs> have a lot
0: of work to do, and let us start right now. And uh, your book, again, maybe you can mention it. We only have two minutes left, and I have seen the caller here wants to get through.
1: Okay, but, well, real quickly, I'll give my website, www.karentate.com, and the two books are Sacred Places of Goddess, 108 Destinations, and the new one that came out this year is Walking an Ancient Paths.
0: Wonderful, and I'm so glad you have been with me, Ken. You have taught me a lot. I was a listener today, <laughs> a true listener, <laughs> and uh, I hope my questions were not stupid. No. Uh, they were just curious. No. And I see, I hope uh, there is a caller. Area code call three one ten. Uh, are you there? You want to speak? Hello, three. Okay, evidently I just see a hand, a hand raised here. So. Well, but that's okay. So, uh, no, you know, I'm naturally curious about our planet, and we cannot know everything, each one of us. Right. And that's why we have experts out there who would teach us and tell us, and you evidently know about sacred sites. How come they could survive these sac-
1: sacred sites and no one
0: ruined them? You know? Well,
1: a lot, of them, a lot of them are ruined. Uh, you know, we're very lucky that some of these governments rely on tourist dollars because quite frankly, if they didn't rely on tourist dollars, the sites wouldn't be reconstructed. Uh, I mean, that's why Egypt has rebuilt so many of their ancient temples, because tourism is one of their primary sources of income. Um, so, but we have lost a lot of sites, or a lot of sites have never been reconstructed. Um, it, it's, uh, it's incredible to think what's still buried under the earth that we haven't yeah. even seen yet.
0: So we have only 30 seconds left. And, uh, again, this is Helena Steiner-Hornstein. My website is www.speakingtoyourheart.com and I am here with my show, A Wondrous World, because there's so many beautiful wonders out there in the world, like today. And do contact Karen and she will tell you about more sites. And by her book, you can get your book, uh, at amazon.com or in the bookstores.
1: Yeah. Uh, either either way, uh, you can buy it online, you can buy it at a bookstore, or they can order it for you if they don't have it on the shelf, or you can email me and I'll send you a copy personally signed.
0: That's wonderful. So thank you all and thank you, Karen. Goodbye. Thank,
1: thank you, Helena.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye.